I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Anfield Rapper, Neil Atkinson here, joined by Josh Williams, Fuad Hassan and Rob Gutman. Uh, we are brought to you by Green King. Uh, it is, it says here, the season for festive football. I'm with them 100%. The best way to watch it is down at your local Green King Sports Pub. It is a time to catch up with friends old and new. Uh, so if you get down there for uh, refreshing pints, delicious food and uh, live action of every game that's on, every fixture, TNT, Sky, Amazon, live at Green King Sports, that means wall-to-wall action on massive HD screens. Uh, every winning goal, every key moment, every contentious decision, Decision in an atmosphere worth sharing. Download the Green King Sports app and you get 10% off drinks every single time there is sport on the television. The Anfield Rappers, every show, audio and video, out for free this week as well. Do check all of them out. You can do that on your own. You don't need your friends for that one. Uh, you can do it in yours uh, and enjoy. Uh, but feel free to do so. Every single show out for free this week. I'll be dead clear. The reason why is because we think it's great and we want you to subscribe. So we think if you sample it all for a week, you'll then sign up. Um, this strategy of mine at 3-2 uh, on the 83rd minute that I had, had extensive conversations with Craig Hannon about and we pulled together uh, felt as though it was a major error. Uh, it's worth saying the messages from Craig, honestly, I, I might have to burn them. Uh, they were so furious with Liverpool Football Club. Uh, Liverpool 4, Fulham 3. Josh Williams, there's more questions than answers, I think, off the back of the game about Liverpool in general. But there is one emphatic answer, which is that Liverpool, and especially Liverpool senior players, by that I do mean the captain and the vice-captain, very much do believe Liverpool are in something. Yeah, it's one of them re- really like weird kind of narrative games in terms of like there's two ways of looking at it. You can look at it from the perspective of Liverpool are in a title race because we quite clearly have the mentality to be in one and we kind of look like that team from a few years back where you're picking up 90 points, you're never getting beat. There's always a way back, despite the fact that there's like five minutes left in the game and you're a goal down. But then there's the other perspective of um, Liverpool conceded three against Fulham, very nearly got beat, and just kind of showcased a bit of a is a weak underbelly, a bit a bit uh, harsh maybe in terms of conceding three and, and and having the lead on two occasions was it? Three? Well, in the end, three in occasions because the, the they, they went. Yeah. But uh, in, in terms of like assessing like Liverpool's title contentions on the back of it, I completely agree with you in terms of there's more more questions than answers really. But it's nice that we won a game, and as I'm sure on the back of that, people will think positively and, and rightly so, really. Well, Josh, I'll come back to you on it because on the question of are we in something, I mean, we sort of are. It's played 14, two points off the top and ahead of Manchester City, and we've been away and played the away games that we have. So you can't sort of say we're not, but not too differently to, to you. I did feel as though Liverpool were just for vast swathes of the game, just not very good. And that, you know, the flip side of that, listen, not very good and winning when Liverpool have been good at times this season. You know, it's absolutely fine. We know it's a hard week. It was reminiscent to me, different fixture and different winner. But of Marco Silva's Everton rocking up to Anfield in the December of 2018 and De scoring the only goal in that game. You know, to me, it's a little bit like that in that I think Marco Silva set a team up well that day. I think he set a team up brilliantly against Liverpool, to be fair. And he's, he's worthy of a lot of credit, Marco Silva and his players. But... Liverpool still get it done and the table looks the way the table looks 
Yeah, I, I mean, the way the game went, I didn't feel like it was that different, to be honest, to the typical Liverpool game that we've seen this season. I think one of the big differences, and I'm not sure whether we'll touch on this, to be honest, but I felt two of the goals Fulham, concede, uh, Fulham scored, the first two, I think Alisson saved them. And I think we will be touching on that. Yeah, well, I think if that happens, you know, the, the game doesn't go anywhere near the way it goes in terms of the direction of it. So that that's a big thing. And I think you've also got to throw in there as well, title-wise. You've got to bear in mind, like we we all view Manchester City as, you know, the ultimate title ch- challenger. You know, the ultimate champion, really. And if we'd done what City have done in the past couple of weeks in terms of conceding four against Chelsea, how many times did they have to lead in that game three? Yeah. Well. Similar against Spurs, you know, they, they really didn't kill Spurs. End up conceding three, late goal. That All of that is, if that was Arsenal or Liverpool, it'd be very like, you know, they, they haven't got it in them, they're kind of a little bit weak and all that sort of stuff. But we don't really hear it as much because it's Pep Guardiola, it's Manchester City, we understand why. But it, it, it so far, he doesn't look like a, there's a, a runaway winner and maybe that's why there's kind of three teams well in contention and that's why Liverpool despite not being perfect maybe it's one of them seasons where you don't really have to be City have only won three of the last eight which is it's incredible I mean that's that's almost as bad a run as I think they've had in recent memory I, I mean they had a they had a bad spell in the autumn of last year where they didn't look particularly impressive but that's really really rocky the counterpoint to that is is that they are the likeliest to have a 15-match winning run in them of all the teams. Yeah. I totally agree with what Josh has said. I am none the one. I mean, you, your first three minutes of what you said there, Josh, could we could have been talking about uh, City 1, Liverpool 1 from the previous week, by the way. I'm yeah, none yeah. the wiser. Yeah. We are saying that a lot. But the table's the wiser. The table shows what the table shows. I came out of it sort of... There was a strange mixture of... Elation and fuck, we're not that good, are we? Um, but as I settled to it and think, well, hang on, it's not an accident we've again come from behind to win. It can't. We're not the flukiest team in the world. In fact, a lot of things haven't gone for us this season. The Tottenham game being the most egregious example of it. But even against Luton, you think, God, couldn't we? Don't need a worldie against Luton. Just a decent shot would do, and we've got three points, not one. Now, we get four strikes that would win four four individual games there. Uh, were we lucky? No, because our quality came to the fore, and I think that's what you have to look at. You don't score goals like the Trent one, which isn't credited to him ridiculously, yeah. but that's a whole other debate, uh, and, and his second. You don't score goals like that, or the McAllister one that goes top bins. You don't score those goals unless you have really, really good players. Um, I'm using the word top bins ironically. I can't stress that <laughs> enough to our listenership. Don't you worry at all. Uh, oh, no, just, just clarification there. Um, so... It, and then what Taru Endo, you go, well, we bought him because we said he was a good player. And look, he showed it. You know, these, these things aren't accidents. Uh, so I think we get what we deserve in a weird sort of way. It's two genuinely great moments, uh, Fuad. Genuinely mm. great moments. Both the Endo goal and then and then the Trent goal that immediately follows it. It's two other brilliant goals as well. It's worth sort of, you know, as much as I can be irritated by the decision-making and, 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 mo- and movement of Sabozlai and Gravenberg, uh, and all that sort of stuff. You can do the tactical pull it apart. Is the shape right for the first one that they score because Virgil's pushed up the pitch, which, by the way, he was right to do, yeah. and they should have restructured and they don't do it well enough. You can do all of that, but let's do the four the four <laughs> brilliant things. Before we do all of that, let's do the four brilliant things because it's two great goals, yeah. and then it's two massively important ones. It, it totally is. I think I think maybe part of this, whole, of this whole sort of uncertainty about where we are and things is we're not used to seeing Liverpool sort of win games in that manner where it is, you know, Two very individual goals, and then another two that are two moments of pure, pure quality. Not like the attacker from, score. No, it's 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 not a great that none of them are great moves. You know that three four players are involved in, and and there's a good finish at the end of it. It is you know you know four individual really kicks of the foot, really good kicks of the football, and I think you know the McAllister one goes up there as one of the best goals I've seen at Anfield. I think you know we talk about the Jordan Henderson one at Stamford Bridge a few years ago. It's it's that level of technical quality. It's Storage not more. Stamford Bridge. Yeah, and and yeah. It, it's worth remembering as well. There's a good keeper in goal there that they've scored all those 
against. You know, he's, he is a good, he's a good shot stopper. Um, and yeah, the, the, Maca- the McAllister one was mad because I, I had for not for a second I thought it was going in. Maybe from where I was sat, I was going. Why are you it was in. Yeah, <laughs> don't shoot. Yeah, well, Klopp was funny, wasn't he? But After you were the game, too. no, I was. I, I said hit it because it sits up. Genuinely, <laughs> <laughs> it sits up. It's lovely. It's lovely to be hit. But go on. Yeah, Klopp after the game was like, oh, I, I was watching him in, in in shooting practice and thought it'd be a real shame if he didn't try to to shoot today. And he obviously thought the same. So, so good on McAllister for for having a go because usually, it, you know, you're in that position. You don't really expect them to, do you? Um, we'll do what what went wrong and we'll loop back around to what went right and the excellence in there, Josh. Fulham changed a fair bit of what they do. I saw them against United at home, and for instance, against United at home, they were determined repeatedly to play out from the back. Against Liverpool, they're determined to go along, hit Jimenez, have him occupy Van Dijk. There was that duel was just ongoing. Uh, could sort of do without uh, Jimenez turning into Bob Latchford every single time he comes to Manfield. One for the teenagers there, uh, but it is what happens uh, every single time. They they block the lanes. Polina pulls uh, to Liverpool's right to Fulham's left. Makes it awkward. I think he makes Bosley's afternoon difficult. In there, they do change a fair bit of what they do. But there's something else, and maybe it influences Liverpool. I just don't think Liverpool pass the ball very well. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, Josh, is it almost becomes the defining part of the game. Liverpool's pass completion was 81% at home this season. Liverpool's average pass completion is 86%. And I think you get to see that. And a lot of the time, the pass completion was poor was when Liverpool were moving towards Fulham's final third. Well, th- this season, I think we've obviously benefited from, from a more technical midfield department. And I think two of the midfielders in particular who started were offered for me in terms of Sobberschlei and towards the end of the game more Gravenberg in terms of just losing the ball and, and things like that and I think there was moments where I personally missed Jones on the pitch just as that kind of glue guy that kind of player who just never loses the ball and um, when he does lose it he immediately regains it and you start that next wave I thought we kind of suffered from that in certain moments but yeah I agree with you I thought Fulham were really good um, going into the game I, I, I'll be honest I expected a clean sheet and I expected a clean yeah. sheet because we had Kelleher in goal so I f- and, and, and Fulham have no pace in the front line so I figured we'd press them really really high pen them in for the entire game and they just don't get out that's, that, that's what I expected but they can play football fair play even the good footballers in there and they caused us a few issues they were quite brave with the defensive line I felt at times yeah. Um Tom Kearney, I think it was, was man-marking Trent as well uh, in seeing certain points. And that's why, I think, towards the end, Trent goes as the, as the fixed six. McAllister comes off. Gomez plays on the right. And that, that gives Tom Kearney a bit of a problem as to, like, you know, do I go on the right or do I mark Trent in, in a bit of a different space now? So I thought Fulham were really good, yeah, and they, they took the chances. They, they were as good as they could possibly be, to be honest, thinking about it. And I think a lot of that was, was us letting them in. I think we can be better. But, uh, yeah, credit to them, to be fair. Both wide players were brilliant for them. I thought. I thought, and Pereira as well. You know, they, they switched the ball really, really well. I thought vertically. You know, obviously they, they do get up the pitch with him. Thought and Wobie was excellent. He, he was brilliant, and mm. even even getting back, he was really good and that's made it really I think difficult. He's, yeah, that's the football that he is. Yeah. He's an all round midfielder in a way, but he he's is. used in an attacking position. If you see what I mean. Totally, and and, and you, they have been starting Willian, haven't they? Usually, and I think Wilson starts instead this time, and he was also brilliant. The runs kind of going out out to in were really good. I thought Liverpool with their passing, just they, it felt in a really basic sense. They just kind of underhit everything. They gave. Fulham so much hope yeah. uh, when it came to pressing and nicking the ball and I think when Liverpool do that the, the next pass becomes really difficult because it isn't fired in because it isn't sort of you know in a, in a direction that these players are natural to sort of receiving it it then becomes difficult for the next ball to be played and we, we, we felt like we were caught offside a lot in that first half maybe because everyone was just sort of off it a bit and you know runs were going slightly earlier than they should have been um, and, and that was sort of, that was really weird to see so early on but at the same time having said that Liverpool still got into really good positions to get shots off um, but w- when you start like that and when, and when Liverpool tend to start like that you kind of know what's going to happen for the the rest of the game I think that's that's the slight worry for me that they, they couldn't they couldn't never really sort of sort that out yeah I it was a it was a very very strange Liverpool performance Salah was pulling strings but I but I couldn't see in the, in the midfield as you say was was strange it was blunt but the front three weren't getting shots away uh, I I barely can count I think a shot I think Luis Diaz has a shot at some point in the game but uh, did Darwin Nunes have a shot did, oh, you see, did well, the yeah. one that hit the bar. Nunes' yeah. first shot was about 60 minutes in, I, I, I think. But yeah. he, I think he ends up having about four, to be fair to him. But Nunes gets shots while you don't even know. He gets shots in yeah. his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, there's but, there's but also whether or not you count the one where Salah's nodded it back to him, because I don't think yeah. he actually necessarily would count that in the numbers, because yeah. he does, does he actually strike the ball, but he's there for it, and he's trying to strike he the ball. He does the motion, yeah. yeah. Sure. It's not. It's, but either way, it's not his best game. Salah doesn't, oh, no. 
out. I don't think Salah gets a strike. Yeah, he's, he's not his best game, but he's involved in the two pre-assists for the winning goals, uh, Nunes, isn't he? And he, he? lays Sabozlay off for the one of that leads the free kick that Trent scores from. Yeah, exactly. The interesting thing, I'll talk to you about it, Rob, because I think it's dead interesting. Yeah. I think Diaz is almost anonymous mm. in the game Liverpool can't get him in it and then yeah. I think this is a midfield thing more than a Diaz thing the Nunez thing is and this is the problem with him in a way you just can't keep him out the action mm. but if that means he's not playing well you can't keep him out the action if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. but I think within that and the other thing is when it goes wrong it looks really badly wrong yeah. so when the layoffs are bad they look horrid when they're quite good you sort of see them as run of the mill but there was a number of them you know as you mentioned there it's a really good knockdown for Salah Salah yeah. couldn't ask for any more from that goal. knockdown for the end of mm. goal and then what Salah does is then really good as well he does pretty much make it perfect for Endo you know and he's the way he's backing in as well means that there's going to be room for him to strike it yeah. but I think there's this thing isn't there where I, th- I, I just thought Diaz wasn't involved at all Nunez was involved you take the you take a lot of it as quite run of the mill but I actually think his link up's quite good but when it isn't good it makes you go mad yeah I also think the last couple of, both him and Diaz really the last couple of games just whether there's a bit of fatigue post the international break, I don't know. That just yeah, Nunes contributes, but he's not quite the on fire. You know, you know, you can see when the, when a sort of a blue touch paper's been lit in in Nunes's head, and he's just everywhere, chaotic. I hate that. You know, I don't like to say he's a force of nature, he's chaotic, but he is. He imposes himself on a football match. I didn't feel he was that Nunes yesterday. Diaz, in his own way too. Diaz has been understandably so for what he's been through whether that's the reason or whether he's just going through a dip in form I, he's not been he's not been the full effect Luis Diaz for me for the last month having said that he's still hugely potent we've been getting good results he, he, he's an effective footballer but that's the thing we've got these options we're, we're missing Jota at the moment but Gakpo's able to possibly look the best attacker on the day isn't he in his short cameo I don't know but the bar was low the bar was low <laughs> I, I was, I'm, I'm stunned I'm, I'm quite surprised but anyway nice uh, I, well, like, I like the positivity <laughs> uh, I'm into it let's talk about the goalkeeper Josh as we're doing what's gone wrong um, I think it's an awkward game for him um, I think that they're awkward efforts don't get me wrong I don't think that you know I don't think that the the sorts of stuff that are nailed on should definitely be be dealing with and yet the nature of both of them makes you feel as though he should be you know the fact that he's there's touches on both of them the fact that he he doesn't feel as imposing Mm. as the player that he's replaced which is a difficult thing to do because the player he's replaced is one of the most imposing people in world football let's be clear about this but you are left with concerns and then even arguably the five ten minutes after uh Fulham make it both two and three he looks to me to be a little bit wobbly yeah it feels it feels a bit harsh because the lab we're comparing them to is the best in the world for me but and I think first off as well, you should always kind of say with this sort of thing that like the the bottom line really is is stop the shot. If you can stop the shot, the keeper doesn't get any work then. But you can't do that to an extent where it's a hundred percent. So over the course of a match, he's going to have some work to do. And I think the work he did have to do, as I said earlier, like the first two goals we conceded, I think Allison saves them. Maybe I'm giving the keeper too much credit there. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but. If, and if that happens, it it is a completely different game in, in terms of like the the course of it, the panic, the need. <coughs> Fulham get encouragement as well. I think this yeah. is a key thing. They're encouraged by the fact that they feel like we can score past this fella. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Liverpool's general defensive performance, it it wasn't the best. But I think we still only faced something like eight shots, and I think the XG is like one point two or something like that, was yeah. it? Maybe something like that. So what's ours? Point two. Ours, no, ours was two <laughs> and a half. No, ours was, ours was two, yeah. two and a half. Yeah, yeah we did enough to win, like in, in attack and that. But uh, but our four goals must have had a combined XG. No, the, the, obviously, obviously quite low. The four goals. But yeah. the point is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salah misses from where he is. You, this mm. isn't even counting the Nunez one that he should strike. There's mm. also the Nunez one that hits the bar. There's enough in there that sort of mm. does add up over the course of it to put Liverpool. I think it's about two point three. Uh, and as I say, Fulham are about. 1.3 yeah but this is the I suppose a bit of a concern that we've got with, with you know the kind of Christmas period we've got quite a few games with a goalkeeper in there who is just not as watertight as, as Alisson is and um, after the game in his, in his post-match presser Klopp spoke about Liverpool's press being a bit of an issue and the fact McAllister was kind of left isolated and stuff and if you've got a goalkeeper in who's not as good of a shot stopper that that needs to be resolved. Your your press needs to be really on the money because then the ball stays away from your goal, and the keeper doesn't get any work basically. But if you if you're playing with a bit of a dodgy keeper, not a dodgy keeper, but if you're playing with a keeper who's not as good, and your press is a bit off it, you're then going to face more shots, and he's going to have more work to do, and he's he's going to be more susceptible to making some of these errors. 
I think I think the Liverpool defence relies on Alisson to command quite an unnatural amount of space as well. I think putting that expectation on Keller and, and coming in kinder from the cold as well. I think the, the big thing for me is he, is he is a second choice goalkeeper at the end of the day. He is your backup goalkeeper. So, you know, the expectation just purely in that sense, regardless of, of having the best one in the world in front of him, I think, you know, you have to sort of, you have to sort of remember. I think the first goal is difficult. I think, you know, it, it happens to keep us happen. So Alisson, it goes through the legs. It, it's unlucky. I think that the, the second one's where I'm at, where I think he should do better. And I think that that comes from the demeanor, that comes from the physical stature. Um, but I think I, I have faith that it will improve, especially on the ball and the, you know, slight tetchiness that was in the ground when, when it was in and around him. I think that sorts itself out the more he plays, really. I think that's as, that's as simple as it is with him. I think... I think the the verdict on him, it, particularly in this game, is going to be clearer w- with how he does in the next few games. Yeah. To be honest with you, because we 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 literally said we're going to say the first time he concedes a goal, Allison wouldn't concede that. I mean, I was on shows where we all said we're bound to say that, aren't we? Well, here we are doing exactly that. They are. Sh- I think if he goes on to have two really top performances, and we go, God, bloody hell, Kelleho was good. We've underrated him. It just say that happens yeah. in the next year. I think we're then going to look back on this and be a bit more forgiving. But it's hard to see in isolation because we are. We do, as you you said, Josh. We do have that Allison bias in our heads. I, I agree with all something else you, you said, which is we can't be allowing our keeper to, exp- to, to to face shots from that close in that's that's the problem there yeah. but i do but i did come away from the game thinking as you said was it eight shots or something i thought we just they didn't really have that many sighters not really in the course of the game we didn't make many ch- good chances ourselves but they didn't have many sighters we can overbeat ourselves up about that as a defensive performance they uh, obviously the big thing for Keller now is that he puts it behind him uh, liverpool go on uh, to the game against sheffield united i'm alex rodriguez And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. In terms of what went right, Rob, let's let's talk about the quality of the efforts uh, first and foremost. These are these are beautiful, mm. uh, beautiful goals. All of them really. The endo finish is terrific. You know, it's one where you sort of can have a look at it from one angle and maybe think, oh, maybe the keeper should just about get there. But it literally hits the roof of the net. It doesn't just hit the back of the net. It's, it's still rising at the point where it where where it, it crosses the line. Uh, you know, it really is. He emphatically passes it uh, into the goal. Mm. That's a great goal. The McAllister one is spectacular. The free kick is terrific. But even the final finish from Trent is exactly the sort of finish that you get, you want in the 90th minute. It's into the ground. It's making sure the keeper's got a question to answer. These are really, really good Liverpool goals in terms of the way in which they're struck. Yeah, I mean, the Trent efforts, it, this was his most Gerard facsimile mm-hmm. game ever. I mean, that's... And the, the free kick's a Gerard-esque free kick where it comes off of the crossbar with one against Villa or something like that. It comes to the fore of the mind. But the, but the finish... You know, quietly, because he's, I think he's under the most stress whilst taking it. The final goal is up. You can make... It's possibly not spectacular as the others, but you can make a case for it being the best of them. And it's definitely the most Gerard-like goal. It's almost sheer will 
to, to make something happen, to win the game for his team. A combination of peak Gerard and peak the cop sucking a ball in. It's it's, a, it's just the most yeah. fantastic Liverpool goal of the Aeon, shall we say, I can't pick a period of time. Um, but they are, the, the McAllister one, I mean, yeah, that's, it's all, as you said, it's one of the best. It's, it's hard yeah. to think of its type. Again, you'd have to go back to alleged Gerard strike, maybe the one against Borough at the cop end where he bends it on the volley into the, the far, far top corner. Uh, hard to think of a different one. I, I will digress to briefly rant at the fact that Trent's free kick isn't goal, isn't given to him. I don't care if it grazed the keeper's uh, spine on the way in. <laughs> You've got the football has to, you know, sometimes you have a conversation about the fact of what you call an own goal or not. Because I think giving own goal as a statistic to defenders who haplessly turn their back and it just happens to flick off them is pointless. It's a, it's a negative statistic. The, the protagonist of that, well, sorry, the person who makes that goal happen is Trent Alexander with a genius of a strike. And it's not that it came bounced and uh, bounced off the bar at a forty-five degree angle, hit the hit a defender on the line, and then went in. It's it. it I don't know. I haven't seen the, the the fine replays back. Is it no way going in if the keeper had just gone? No, for I don't a think you could say that. I think there's every chance that, for instance, the keeper wasn't there. The spin on the ball, yeah, and I was thinking it, like that. Spin back in. That's, you know, so. that's my impression. And I, I know that's that's not what you wanted me to rant about. But I, I felt there was a point in nineteen ninety-five. Like Ian Rush probably has got ten percent less goals to his to his tally, and everyone before. 96 if you count their own goals because you could be going slightly wide of a post but if you twatted it in the general direction it was your goal whether it deflected or not ball across the box that's different different gravy but anyway yes they were great strikes the end <laughs> Finn Ignore your data there. Let's not worry about it. Well, your data's got a point. No, I think you. Are. I think I both agree with you, and also ultimately just one. My, the statistic that matters to me is always Liverpool one more goal than they had in the twenty four. So yeah, but I do. I, but I, I do agree. I do agree with your point in general. I genuinely I think, do. I, think, I do think in the after it would be nice to be talking about the first two goal trend game. It'd be nice. To, you know, really crowded. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just yeah. that general sense of momentum. Well, and, and yes, I, I do like a brace. So mm. now I take. You, I do. I do honestly take your general point. I'm being mean, and I apologise. <laughs> it's uh, okay. You know. I do apologise. Um, to me, there's there's something in his, his all round game, though, Josh. You know, I've criticised. I, I mean, I would, with again, maybe a possible exception towards McAllister. I don't think any of. I think there's some Liverpool players who aren't passing well and whose decision making is wrong. I think there's some Liverpool players who, who just are having a bit of misfortune with the pass and the decision making is right. Salah, for instance, is the one that falls into that category. I think only really McAllister and Trent, so McAllister comes off, are the two I feel as though are consistently making the right decision and are also executing it pretty well. And, and I think that all round, Trent Alexander-Arnold has a really good game. Yeah, I think it was right up there with his best. I felt, I thought he was outstanding. Um, really complete performance. I thought it was kind of like a a bit of a hybrid performance between like a peak Gerrard and a peak Beckham I felt in terms of like how he imposed himself on the game it wasn't through sheer force like a like a you know top level Gerrard performance there was just so much technique and quality in there where he's just kind of gliding and he's almost a step ahead in, the, in his mind at times um, occupies a number of different positions during the game looks at ease in every one of them scores the winning goal two weeks in a row now in the Premier League I think there's decisive goal. The yeah. City one to one one. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry, so don't yeah, tell yeah. him he was at one at City. <laughs> I was enjoying it. Thanks for that. Take the assist there. Um, but yeah, I, th I think he's just kind of. I think this is the most complete complete version of Trent that we've seen, and he, he's getting that complete that this kind of conversation about him becoming a full time midfielder. It it does genuinely have legs now. It really does. And Klopp is always really keen to downplay. I can understand. Some to, to some extent why and especially considering we've just signed four midfielders over the summer there's kind of a bit less of a need for that now but he's just such a complete player and t to the extent where for Liverpool to just be on the game for Liverpool to be to be dominating the game and playing really well you, you almost just need to give him the keys to the team and wherever on the pitch whatever role he's going to be most effective in play him there and almost figure out the rest later I think it, it, it's difficult, isn't it, with with him and Sabazlai. Uh, you know, I agree with everything Josh mm. has said there because I, I feel like almost it, it, it's difficult for both of them to be 
as excellent as they as they can be together at the same time. And I, I I'm not saying Sabozla necessarily suffers about that, but a, a lot of yesterday I was sort of thinking it'd be nice if he just went at right back for a little while and, and let Trent because if he's doing what he was doing and was you know as dominant in every area, you know I'm at the point with him now where it's the first time I've been at this point with him where I just want him to shoot. Uh, I, I'm always really against that, and even when when people have said before when he, we need to be in those positions more. Now I'm at the stage where he need when he's in that area when he's in the D. That's where you know that's where he belongs. That's where at the moment his his technique is you know supreme. It's far better than anyone else in, in, in the team at the moment. And, and and the fourth goal is a brilliant brilliant piece of technique because the touch is the touch is difficult. You know it, it's dipping down and the way he sort of wraps his body around it and gets that bit of swerve and dip from that range is is is, is beyond world class. So I, I think Liverpool now have to sort of build around that a lot more. And if that means sacrificing a midfield player in terms of their role in terms of Bosley not being that all-star kind of player as, as we've seen earlier on and that might be for his benefit as well in terms of preserving his energy and everything like that I think that will get the best out of Trent giving him that, that freedom like Josh says the, the, the keys to the team and with that the goals will come but the creativity will come as well in games where it is tough in this period where there are lots of games well, we need to preserve Aren't they giving him the keys to the team with the inverted role? Yeah. Isn't that the thing that the inverted role is meant to do which is he gets the keys to the team from there? Oh, yeah but also on this, I think you're our, and Rob can come in as well. You can come in. I, I watched match the day two last night, and I was really frustrated. I'm frustrated by the conversation because people act as though it's the genus thing after it. Yeah, yeah. People act as though the conversation <clears throat> becomes whether you pick Trent Alexander-Arnold or Sabozlai. Yeah. The conversation no. isn't that. The conversation no, is whether you pick Joe Gomez or Sabozlai. Yeah, exactly. And that to me is why this is a much more complicated conversation than just you go and do that because you ultimately someone else has to. If you're not going to play him right back, someone else has to play right back, exactly, and he's yeah. got one. You've got one less, one fewer attacking player on the pitch. Yeah, at that period of time, which is also one fewer player for Trent to pass to. One one player fewer to be occupying the opposition in that sort of sense. That's where you end up. I, I didn't I didn't mean for him to play in midfield and, and for Sabozlai to play right back. I just meant positionally in, in, in when Liverpool yeah. are going forward. But what um, I mean though is that if he occupies that position, someone else has to play yeah, right back. Totally. And you've taken attack an option off Liverpool's team. Totally. Yeah. Almost makes Liverpool weaker to some extent. Um, and this is the conversation. Yeah. The conversation isn't like if you could have two Trent Alexander Arnolds. Yeah, sounds. we said that last yeah. week. Yeah. 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 If yeah. you can have two of them, if you can clone him, then it's a, then the conversation is: Do you pick McAllister or Trent? Do you pick Sabozlai or Trent? Because you're picking Trent at right back. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is: Do you pick Alexis McAllister or Joe Gomez? Do you yeah, pick Dominic Sabozlai exactly. or Joe Gomez? Well, I, I think if you look at the midfield now, the way the way Trent plays, he's basically playing a lot of the time as a midfielder. We are seeing Trent play as a midfielder because when Liverpool have the but ball, but a deep lying one though most of the time when he's yeah. in the hybrid role, he's yeah. a control. But I don't have an issue with that personally. I, I, I do because of well for the reasons I think we, we, the goals for the goals yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you know what if you've got somebody who can from XG positions around outside the edge of the box where it's less than 0.1 who can who can overperform that XG and they almost apart from McAllister who's now showed he can too if you've got someone who can reliably do them, we had a freak of nature doing it for, in Gerard for years, but Gerard was, apart from one or two other luminaries, was surrounded by players who were nowhere near his level. Well, I'd argue that Trent has more players near his level. So imagine if we had, what I'm saying is imagine we had Gerard in this team. I know some cynics would go, ah, but he'd upset the whole balance. Well, I don't think so. I think Klopp, I don't would, think he would, I think Klopp would love to have him. I think you can have, I think we can, you can, in danger of overthinking it sometimes. I think... If you're starting again, if a new manager was in and the pass was torn up and it was somebody we respected, they might go, oh yeah, Trent's the best midfielder, he plays, Sabozlai's possibly the next best midfielder, he plays, and you can decide who's left and who's right and they can interchange. And McAllister get his, his first dibs at number six, but hey, you know what, uh, Curtis Jones can also drop in there too and, and McGravenberg is a sub. Yes, you've got Gomez out at right back. He does. He's not. He's not the same as I've seen that Trent fellow when he used to play right back. But he's still pretty handy. He's defensively very solid. Um, he does. He's, he's not too shabby when he gets up and down. He's not going to really come in field for you that much if you want to play a hybrid role. I think it can work. My, my biggest issue with with sort of committing to the idea of Trent as an attacking number eight, which is what we saw in that last twenty minutes yesterday or so, yeah. is that Gomez then becomes your main right back option, and he you can't play him week in week out. His body doesn't allow that, and that means. 
means to me you begin to anchor the t- doesn't mean you can't do it occasionally but you begin to anchor the team quite quietly around a fellow who can't turn up every week because of his fitness issues when when Liverpool make those subs by the way they were awful after that I thought when when you know when McAllister comes off and, and it's grabbing Birch and Trent he's injured isn't it? McAllister by the way is he oh, yeah he, right, he had okay. a knock bang to the thigh according to well, Neil Jones I well, well when they make that when they make that change you know it, it felt like until uh, obviously Trent gets the goal at the end but it didn't feel like he was on the ball or as inf- influential as much as he was before that it felt like everything was going to Joe Gomez and Joe Gomez was the one finding himself in loads of space he, he inverted as well and you know that that's not what any of us really wanted so that's where I was a bit like you can do this but you can do this with you know you can do this with the personnel and it's just about intelligence and, and, and sometimes you know a Sabozlai sacrificing a certain bit of his play in phases and I think this it's something that's fluid right now Trent's in this in this in this moment as the manager likes to say where he is in that kind of unplayable everything he hits is going in phase so why not capitalize on that mm. with the personnel we don't need to necessarily change everything it's just a it's just an on the field kind of tweak yeah the whole the whole Trent thing I think it would it, it 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 wouldn't be as much of a drastic change, I think, as as the pundits who who don't religiously follow Liverpool talk about. To be honest, I think that it, it impacts two major things really. One one is negative, and one is one is I suppose positive. I think the negative is is what you mentioned earlier, Neil, in terms of uh, Gomez would basically become a regular starter because you'd need someone to play as a right back if Trent's not there. Our right back, our only other right back option really is Joe Gomez. So Joe Gomez becomes a starter, and Liverpool as an eleven potentially become less dangerous, less threatened. But then there's the other side of the coin, where if Trent was to become a full-time midfielder, he's permanently in the middle. So then he would never kind of... We would never see him occupying those right-back defensive spots, facing up wingers 1v1, which we know he kind of struggles with at times. He would never really be overly caught out in transition because he's always he's got his fixed holding spot in the middle. And a lot of Liverpool supporters over the years are frustrated with that kind of right-sided weakness that seems to get targeted every single week. Would that still be the case if Trent was to become a midfielder and move away from that permanently and we was to basically play a centre-half there like Gomez? But I think there's something else as well, which is that I think it necessitates a change of shape. Mm. I don't think you, I don't think it works with him necessarily at 4-3-3, where part of the Sabozlai job, it's a little bit less because of Sabozlai, but it is to facilitate Salah and to facilitate Trent. That's part of that job, and it, when it was Henderson, it was even more so that that's what it was. Yeah. But it, it's to facilitate those other footballers still. You know, if you sort of see what I mean, that so it, I think it necessitates another tactical change. If you see what I mean, like I think it makes mm. more sense to me if we're going to play four four two. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think we're going to play like I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more four four two from time to time. I take Phil Ad's point. I think we are a bit crap after the subs, but I think the manager almost thinks these aren't passing well. With the exception of Trent, they're not passing well. Mm-hmm. I might still have, we'll have four forwards on the pitch. It would all more dangerous and say to Trent, "Can you just get the ball forward to them, please?" Because you're the only one. If you, it's really, it's almost a big ag- bit agricultural from the manager. I'm fine with it, not least because it also pays off for them. But I think, I think Josh, the idea of what that number eight role is, a lot of it is, can you run outside Salah, please? to create space for Salah to come in. Yeah. Can you back Salah up in those moments? Can you fill in when Trent goes walkabout a little bit? And I think that's a Bosley is a bit of a problem against Fulham in that I don't think he does that very well. But can you go and fill in a little bit when he comes loose and do a bit of that? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. don't think it's as clean as, well, he just goes and plays there and the shape stays the same. I don't think I don't think that is the case at all. No, I, I agree, especially with Gomez filling in for him because Gomez is a completely different kind of player. And when we've asked Gomez to invert... I think he can do it to an okay level, but he's not like a natural doing it and like that. I mean, we do. It's it's important to say as well. We Klopp does want those four players in the middle of the park. But Liverpool throughout their peak had four players in the middle of the park with three centre mids and Firmino basically. Now with Nunes no longer doing that, kind of staying high, you're getting that fourth body as the <coughs> inverted fullback. We've yeah. always got four in the middle. Um, we've always had four in the middle. Do you think so, Diaz has been dragged more into the midfield though? I, I feel he has a bit. I, I, I feel Nunes and Salah are given license to be higher. I know Nunes. Uh, I think Diaz, this is one of the reasons we miss Jones. Yeah, when I think Jones makes Diaz make more sense, I and I think he, I think if you look at the big nine of the running last season, I think Diaz, I think Jones going outside Diaz mm. allowed Diaz to come a little bit narrower. That Jones could occupy the fullback on the outside was really really helpful. Yeah, yeah. it allowed Diaz to come. Diaz and Jones could almost interchange a little yeah, bit, and in a way that made sense for everyone. Mm. And then Jones could ghost into space when Diaz is occupied and pulled in. I think Diaz fine. <clears throat> I like Gravenberg a lot. Yeah, and I don't, but I don't think Gravenberg will start against Sheffield. But I also don't think necessarily Diaz will either. But I think that I think I think Diaz finds it hard to play with Gravenberg because Gravenberg only wants to go one way, which is to come inside and be really. 
direct with the ball, yeah. which I think is really good, by the way. It's not a mm. criticism. Whereas I think Jones is more of a... Again, it's back to this idea of who your facilitators are. And I think that Gravenberg is a little bit less of a facilitator as an eight yeah, than, I agree. Than, I agree. than other Liverpool I, players have been. And I think Diaz finds it harder yeah. when that's the case. Yeah, I also think Gravenberg is a bit more inclined to kind of look diagonal when he's playing in terms of yeah, passing that, options. That way. Yeah. He's, always, he's always heading towards Salah. He's, he's carrying the ball in that direction all of the time. Yeah. He's, he's got pen spots. Yeah. Um, he's got pen spots. I think the other thing that also makes it hard, a little bit harder for Diaz is I think Shimakas. I thought played really well, by the way. But I think Shimakas consistently with his run only wants to go outside. Yeah. Whereas Robertson loves an underlap. Mm, yeah. Robertson loves to run pen spot. And what that does is that pulls a man out the way. I think Diaz is finding ball carrying a little bit difficult at the minute. And I don't think it's necessarily because he's no longer very good at ball carrying. I think it's more he's constantly looking up and there's two mm. looking at him. So it's almost like, well, if I beat the first one, I'm gonna get I'm gonna lose it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so but I think he needs a run there that someone pulls that at least puts a bit of doubt in the mind of the second one, which is what Robertson does really well yeah. but Shimakas is a much more traditional option and he will just go round to the left and he hasn't got Jones either in there and I think that all of that's making it actually a little bit difficult on that side of the pitch Yeah I think if you look at Jones as well what he kind of offers in comparison as a, dif- as a different sort of profile he's just a lot more inclined to kind of probe in those areas little five yard passes keeping the ball in that area a lot of the time and I think if you put Gravenberg in there it just it does inf- impact the dynamic and I think it's it's given Diaz maybe a bit more work on the attacking side and maybe a little bit more rushed at times. But um, that's why one of the reasons why I felt we missed Jones over the weekend. Um, that's one of the reasons I think he'll come in against Sheffield United. That, that, that was my problem with, with the subs and the, the change of shape at that point. It felt like we, we, we brought on Gakpo turn into a bit of a facilitator, but a midfield that wasn't quite that facilitating player in terms of making those runs. It felt like, you know, Graham Birch re- very much wanted to do what he was doing before and be out wide and come back in. And then when Endo comes on, it feels like there is a bit more of that of that stability. And, and, and if anything, it felt they were more likely to score at that point. Every time they went forward, it was a bit like, you know, Anthony Robson has that shot, doesn't he, where, which Keller saves. But even even before that and, and after that, they felt very dangerous. I don't know if, if it was in response to what they do. I don't know if it was pre-planned because just before that, Kenny comes on, doesn't he? Willian comes on as well. So I don't know if Liverpool thought, well, they're settling here a little bit in terms of solidifying that, player, the, that area. He is, isn't he's he? He's player. different to what he was yeah. before, wasn't he? Where he felt a bit more of an attacking midfielder. He was a lot lot smarter this time around. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, look, at the end of the day, to, to go from the 3-3 to the 4-3 is huge. I think you can't underestimate that. I think that's massive. I don't, I don't think lots of football teams can do that, even top quality ones, as consistently as, as as we do. You know, it's worth remembering Arsenal draw against them, don't they, at home? And, and you know, they don't go get that winner like we do. So that's a real, real thing for them to all kind of remind themselves of and, 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 and use going forward. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we we force that winner by. Yeah. I mean, it's an exceptional finish, but it comes out of, uh, after a passage of play, doesn't it? I think yeah. Diaz has had a shot just before. A Gakpo has Gakpo. the shot mm. that forces it. Is it Nunes who keeps the ball alive? That, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we do very much force it. I think I think it's it. You know, just listening to to everyone talking about these options. I think the options is the key thing. And you know, if it ena- what it enables Klopp to do, I think if he's listening, he goes, it just enables me to keep twisting mm. at every stage. And that's what we did. Yes, yeah, so we just kept twisting and twisting until it went until it went right. Eventually, you are, are, are can argue this. It felt so, quite Ferguson to me in a good yeah, way. That idea I of I'm, I, I think there's nothing wrong. And also, Rob, I think it sends a bit of a message to the players. Four forwards on now, lads. You know what I want? I want to win the game. Mm. Do you yeah, know? Like yeah. I think even if you're not sure, there's four forwards on now, so you know what it means. And all the while, and I think there's nothing wrong with. I think that's a good way to phrase it. Just to keep twisting, just to make it different again and different again and different again. Yeah. And, and, it, and it sets us up perfectly to be able to rotate as well because. As much as you can twist, you can go well. A different, a different set of lads. We could make. I was going. Through, I was watching the game with, uh, partially with Steve Graves yesterday, and was talking about the fact that, um, for the first time in in sort of my Liverpool watching memory, certainly for the last twenty years, we've got a big, as deeper as first eleven level squad as I think we've ever had. In as much as in even the very best to say eighteen or nineteen, twenty, twenty one, you still you go. This is a, this is the best eleven or the arguably best eleven in the world at times. Who could you bring in? Three, four of them could, could be interchangeable before you, you're taking a bit of a weakening situation. You know, with the four, the front three, you'd have to dip down to Narigi, for example, or a Minamino, or a, and even James Milner. His pomp is not peak Henderson and peak Fabinho. So we were doing that. Kind, there was that kind of compromise. Now I think if you look at it, 
I counted about 17, 18. I think, you, and, this, and this is what gives us the options, and this is what we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, excellent stuff. Uh, here is John Gibbons speaking to Helen Poole about her excellent Liverpool-based children's fiction. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap, and I'm joined in our studio uh, by the illustrator, author, and creator of these wonderful books, uh, The Fields of Anfield Road series. Helen, thanks so much for coming oh, in to see you're us. You're welcome, you're welcome. Nice to be back, because I was here when it first came out. Yeah, that's it? right. Uh, a few years ago, to talk about this first one, there is a new one uh, out. But for people who maybe need the memory jogging a little bit, tell us a little bit more about you know how the book came about, about the club approaching you, and uh, our, our field family well there was actually a funny story about the how it came about because I was actually in the bath and I was lying there and I just thought oh wouldn't it be lovely to do a book for Liverpool so I started like daydreaming it when I was in the bath and I got quite into it I was like oh yeah and I pictured myself like holding the book and you know um I pictured it in the shops and I did picture me and Jürgen holding the book together um, <laughs> trying to manifest it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was. Well, I didn't know I was trying to manifest it at the time. It was just a little thought I had. And then um, the next day, honest to God, the next day, I was contacted by um, a buyer from Liverpool saying, "Did I want to come in?" Because she'd seen me other books and did want to come and do a book for Liverpool. And I was like, oh, "I've just created that with my mind." <laughs> it felt so powerful. But I've got to be honest. Like that was what twenty. 18, 2019, and I still haven't met Jürgen, so oh. come on, universe, get on. <laughs> um, so then I knew that, well, they wanted a children's book, and I wanted to go down the route of, like, um, a family that people could relate to, you know, with their match day rituals and their, um, what they do when they lose and, um, you know, their pets named after Different managers. Different, different, yeah. Yeah. So we've got Shankly the dog and um, we've got Firmino the fish, <laughs> who I still miss. And if you look, it, Firmino the fish has actually got a fin over his eye. <laughs> got to be eagle-eyed to spot that. Um, so, yeah, so I wanted it to be relatable and um, I wanted it to be read with different generations. That's how I designed it. Because even though it's a children's book, I did actually design it with adults in mind as well so I've put references to players from the past and managers from the past and the idea was that you know dads granddads uh, mums would get say oh that was my favorite player back mm. in the day so the kids are learning about the history of the club as well as seeing players that they recognize themselves and that's it isn't it because so many of us are trying to you know, shared our love of Liverpool Football Club. That's a nice way of saying brainwash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So many of us are trying to share uh, our love of Liverpool Football Club with our little ones, but it can be quite tricky, isn't it? Because you you might buy them a kit or, or, or a nice couple of t-shirts or something, and, and like they love the goals. You know, when, when you're watching them and stuff like that, and they love Mo Salah. Um, but you know, trying to teach them a little bit more about the history and stuff like that, so it can be quite hard when they're young. So something yeah. like this is really accessible, isn't it? It's got little stories about. The the legends about famous days you yeah. know goals supporting Liverpool and, and it's that, just really nice and my favourite spread is the one with the granddad uh, it's a little bit before that where he's um, 
going through the years of his Champions League. Um, oh, this one, yeah, it's got, all the, it's got all the kits and the haircuts yeah. and, and The different like 70s Kevin Keegan haircuts <laughs> and the 80s. I mean, that's the Teddy Mac, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. The different, you know, uh, kits and that. So that was probably my favourite um, spread to draw in that book. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I've had, like, loads of good reviews from both, you know, children and adults. Like, the, there are adults who have bought it for themselves, you know, if they collect things and, mm. um, you know, and the reviews have been brilliant. So I couldn't ask for more, really. So this uh, was the first one, The Fields of Anfield Road, which yes. came out a few years ago. 2019, uh, that came out, yeah. And then Liverpool immediately won the league. Well, yeah, so I do take a little bit of credit <laughs> for that, to be honest, uh, because, you know, it had taken 30 years, hadn't it? My book comes out, we suddenly win it, so, you know. So let's hope the new one is equally <laughs> yeah. as equally as lucky. Well, to be honest, to when, the, when, this, when I was making this, we were... We were online for the, for the quad, so I did save a page to celebrate um, potentially the quad in there, but didn't quite happen. But didn't quite know. happen. We had to make yeah. the two with two. So this is the the, the new book. Um, it is uh, the Fields of Anfield Road again and the LFC Treasure Hunt. So yeah. Tell us a little bit more about this one. So the same family, and we you know see what they've been up to since we last left them. Uh, there's been a FA Cup and a League Cup. Um, win since then and then there's suddenly a, a big Liverpool treasure hunt announced so they go into this treasure hunt park and the, the team that finds um, all the Liverpool artefacts in the shortest time wins a big Liverpool prize so the fields enter themselves and it's about um, trying to find you know the all the items on the list so again it's I've I put different players in this one. Like I, I met um, uh, Steve McMahon, you know, one of the Legends tours, and I showed him my book, and um, I had to tell him he wasn't in it. So I said, well, don't worry, I'll put you in the next one. So I have. <laughs> so when you see Stephen <laughs> Mann again, you'll be able to see you as I'll good as you were. And, and, um, and, uh, I'll have to and book. I'll have to book in for another tour and say, here you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Um, so yeah. So if. You know, I obviously can't include everybody in there, but um, I've tried to, you know, either mention them in the text or put a little something in the background, like a shirt with the name on or something like that to try and give a nod. You know, there's some paving stones with different numbers on and stuff. So I've tried to include as many as possible. Um, but there's only 32 pages. And well, we there have is a lot so of much legends. detail in there, though, and I think that's probably you trying to include as much as possible. But if you go on to sources, you know, some of the pages, there was a, a oh, scene the, from the, the house, I think. Yeah, was, sorry, I'm just sort of clicking through that one. Where there is just sort of so much, and every time you look at it, there's, there's another little it thing. It took me about a week to do that just that one spread because yeah. there was so much detail in it, yeah. like all, all the players' heads and um, the players in the back, you know, the legends in the background. I did meet him not long after that came out. I'd, I Weirdly, again, it must have been another university thing, but <laughs> I suddenly thought, I need to take me, me book with me. It, I was going out for afternoon tea for my uh, cousin's birthday and we went to the Hilton. And I had it in my bag, and as soon as we walked in, John Barnes was in there. So I was like that with the with the waitress going, "Please, can you just go over and and like ask him if he'll have a look at my book?" So I went over and um, he saw himself in it, and he said, "Oh, could you make me look thinner next time?" <laughs> I said, "Hey, John, I've drawn you in your prime there." <laughs> well, so, he looks perfectly fine to yeah. me. Um, so there we are. Um, so if people want to buy these, yes. uh, they can go to your website. They're also available in the club shops. They are. I went in yesterday and in um, the Anfield store, they're kind of, as you go in, they're kind of in the middle to the left. They're, they're on stands. So um, I'm not sure where they are in the other shops, but if you can't find them, ask. Ask for the Fields children's books because they will be there. And they're also on, uh, if you go onto my website, which is helenpool.com, I said pool, really scousing, didn't I? <laughs> um, there'll be a link to my shop, which links to Etsy. And um, you can, if you order through there, I can sign them for you. So put a little like Brilliant. two. Like I'm, I'm going to sign for your son. Yeah, that was um, very kind of you. Yeah, very, very <laughs> kind of you indeed. Um, as a thank you for having me on. Um, so yeah, so you can order them on there, sign them and, you know, they'll be in time for Christmas. So they're £7 each. Um 
So, Bargain. yeah. And um, as I say, the, the first book has sold really, really well. Um, so we want the second book to uh, to do just as well as the first. Well, let's give it all a little bit of a Seven pounds, uh, absolute bargain for these uh, wonderful, wonderful books. And if someone wants something a little bit extra special for Christmas yes, as well, for a little one as well. Yes, this is my new little venture because a few people had asked me for these, so I decided to have a go. Um, these are Liverpool, these are prints. So I do family prints. So normally if people want, um, you know, their family drawing, I'll draw them like this. But a few people have said, Oh, could you draw me child with Mo Salah or whatever? So this is Joe um, with Mo Salah. Um, so this also you can message me through Twitter to order these or it'll be on the Etsy site as well to order. So they're, so for, for two characters like that, is it still on yet? Um, well, with Mo Salah, it's cheaper because Mo Salah's already drawn. So, <laughs> so um, I think it's £40 for one child or one person. It doesn't have to be a child. I've had a few orders since I announced this the other day. I've had um, a few people with, you know, for their wives, for their husbands, want pictures with uh, Jürgen Klopp and Mo Salah and Stevie G and stuff. So, yeah, so I'm happy to um, draw it. I'm, I'm going to do one of myself with Jürgen. Um, because this get the manifestation going, yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're watching Jürgen, you know, contact me and uh, I need a hug. I need a, a clop hug. That's me. That's me number one goal in life, to be honest. Well, this is a good start towards making that happen. <laughs> uh, make sure you go to Helen's website. And uh, what is it again? Helenpool.com. Helenpool yeah. And on social media, uh, Twitter, etc. It's Helenpool Books. And that's Helenpool with an E. With uh, an very e, crucially, yeah. not, not like, like Liverpool. <laughs> Helenpool with an E. Thanks so much uh, for coming in for showing uh, for these fantastic me. books uh, for the little things as well. I'm off, off to order a picture of me with Craig Hannon. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Great stuff from. Uh, John and Helen there. Um, sort of half moving along and half not, Rob. Mm. I liked the 4-2-4 when Salah went close to Nunez. Matip obviously looks like he will be out for an extended period. Is it that? Is it uh, that bad? It just looks like it. Look, I mean, I'm, I yeah. saw what you saw in the ground. Yeah. is all I'm saying here. I just, I don't. My point here is, I don't think he's playing against Sheffield United. No. Um, and you know, McAllister with a bit of a bang on the thigh. It'll be interesting to see what sort of happens here. Um, Liverpool win a close one. In eighteen nineteen and 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 twenty one twenty two in this week, I had a little look back at this week because the manager is obsessed with this week. I think and he does mad things. There's a five two against Everton where he picks a bit of a mad side. That one of those gets lashed in. He picks a mad side away at Burnley and he makes subs and Liverpool go on to win the game. They go one nil down. They pull it back to three one. I said before about Divock uh, against Marco Silva's Everton in terms of the one nil in there. Um, my point here is this is this is the week where he does one, if not two, mad things, mad subs. The Wolves away game when Origi scores the winner late on, his subs that day are quite unorthodox uh, in there as well. The shape of the team changes during that one as it wears on. My point here is I think you know Sheffield United, they're likely to have a new manager. The players don't suddenly become better. They might be a bit peppier. But the, I think they've got no idea what Liverpool they're facing. No, I, I think as the point I was making earlier... Uh, that I think that, that we're less we're less likely to notice Klopp throwing in if you want to categorise it as a mad one because of the depth of the first team level squad and the interchangeability of players. So, for example, I came out of that before I realised finding out later that McAllister had a bang, thinking, do you know what? Just for rotation's sake, put Endo in. Give him. Would it be his first Premier League start? Maybe or his second Premier League start? I think Endo has played his best football for Liverpool in his last game and a half, and I think. I think it's if certainly if McAllister's um, a risk because of a bit of an injury, I'd start Endo in this one. Now, is that a mad one, whether McAllister was fit or not? I don't think it necessarily is. I don't know who would be. Is Jones a mad one? Is Gakpo a mad one? Where, where, who's mad? Ben Doak would be a mad one. I suppose that's not beyond the bounds of possibility. I think, we, I think we're quite likely to see Ben Doak off the bench in a Premier League game or two in the next fortnight. That's for sure. But I don't think... I think Kwanza may may well find himself in a Premier League start. So... That's how far down the squad will go. But I don't think... Let's put it this way. Do I think there could be five or six changes for Chef You, Yeah, I do, actually. Without beginning to count them up, we can start the exercise, if you like. But uh, Start the exercise, if you want. I, I, I think I, my view is, and I could even be wrong about this, but I think there's five who I think are, are going to start. So I think Kelleher will start, Arnold will start, Canate will start, Van Dijk will start, and Salah will start. Yeah. And I think beyond that, 
I can't. I think two of Nunez, Diaz, and Gakpo will start. Uh, although it wouldn't surprise me if it was just one, because it wouldn't surprise me if he has a think about going four four two. But let's just sort of. I mean, you come on to that point if you want. But I think two of those will start. I think it's reasonable to be able to make a list of midfielders. I think if McAllister was fully fit, I think he will start. But apart from that, I don't think it's nailed on. So Bosley, I think it's unlikely Gravenberg, at which point then you're sort of having that chat. I don't think it's nailed on Shimikas. I'll be asked to go three times in a week at left-back. I don't think that's nailed on. No. I think it's possible. So, you know, I'll give you, if we want to all agree, can we all agree Kelleher, mm. Trent, Canate, Van Dijk and Salah start? Yeah, how yeah. many is that? Five. Yeah. That's five. So if you want to tell me who you think the other six are. The, sim- the, sim- the Simicast one is, is a difficult one. But yeah. I, I think Jones, I feel that, the, I think the way is to look at the opposition first and foremost here, in this sequence, which was a very, very intense set of fixtures, Chef U away is the easiest game we've got pre-December 25th. It's the easiest, without, but without wanting to be complacent. So funnily enough, I would have, I would have actually thought there was a case for Kwanzaa, but... No, because Canate's not being in, and, and as you say, him and Van Dyke pick themselves. <sighs> Who have you got a left back outside of? Uh, if you want to give Shimikas a rest, you could give Shimikas a rest against Palace. You might say that they're lively, and therefore Gomez might be uh, lively up front. Sorry, Gomez might be a better fit at Palace as in the left back position. Notwithstanding all, I wanting to see maybe wanting to see Trent in midfield. So I think Shimikas will go again. In my opinion, I think Endo will start. That's my gut feel. I think Jones will come in. I think Saboslai probably goes again unless there's a unless this would be where it's getting a bit mad. Does Elliot come in? So yeah. is he gonna go Endo Jones Elliot, which suddenly feels like a UEFA Cup midfield, although that's that's to disrespect those players. And in the four positions, I it is gonna be it's Salah plus one from two, yeah. That's how I look. Two from three, surely. Sorry, it's yeah, plus two from Two from three. Yes, sorry, two from three, yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one, because I think, yeah, I think you're right on Simakash. He probably does need some form of a rest coming up, but then the last time he got that rest, it was Gomez who came in, and Gomez is a completely different left-back. He's right-footed, he's a centre-half, a trade. He doesn't, for that reason, overlap as much, doesn't provide as much width, and if you think of what we're going to come up against against Sheffield United, probably going to need those elements. So you would like Simakash playing. Um, maybe put Gomez in there when Liverpool are going to be a bit more Palace transition based or maybe maybe just play Simakas until you've won the game hopefully you get you get the game won on the hour or even at half time or something and manages minutes like that rather than giving them complete rest because I think we need that kind of left footed left back profile who will give us some width because we I think we lacked that a little bit against Luton even though we we created enough to win the game I think we lacked it a little bit and I think Sobos likes starts personally because he only plays about an hour against Fulham um, but yeah other than that it's it's difficult to determine There is an 8 day rest actually after Palace isn't there if you discount the Union SG dead rubber Liverpool don't play a serious competitive game between Palace Saturday morning and Man United Sunday yeah. following so it's an 8 day rest so he may be the other counterpoints he may be inclined to let them power through certain certain on ones beyond Neil's key five, so Simicast could be one asked to power through. I yeah. argue. I think yeah. I think Gakpo starts as well. I think I think he sort of has to. Yes. Um, just given given the games and 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 also what he does when he comes on, you know, he does he does change it in terms of his running, in terms of how he sort of just just created something a little bit out of nothing one for 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 the final goal, didn't he, with the shot and the the rebound. So I think I think he comes in. I think we could see that four four two like Neil's saying. I think we do do that then. It, then Simicast would be really would be really important to see just just to give us like Josh saying that width, um, and and also just pegging them back. I think it's it's a game that Liverpool would want to just totally control, and that's why probably in the in an ideal world McAllister would start because the manager sees him as his one to sort of I ensure th- that happens. I think that's why you probably introduced Jones as well, just yeah. for that reason, just yeah. the ability to pen them in. The thing I wondered before I found out about this McAllister knock, Josh, would be if he's going to go four three three, if he might be tempted to go Endo, McAllister, and Jones. Yeah. And have the idea of they're gonna be penned in. They're gonna they're gonna want to be penned in almost in a way they're gonna create a bit of a shell. So do you have the lads sitting behind the front three? You constantly recycle possession. You're constantly moving it left and right, you've got good touch, who are looking to you know, looking to bring people into play. I just sort of wonder McAllister was always that idea that he you know, I thought it was odd in pre season at times when he was playing right side at eight. But I wonder if maybe just maybe he thinks 
I want me runners for Palace. I want me direct runners for Palace. I'll have me lads who look after the ball for Sheffield United because the plan is that we're going to absolutely dominate territory, dominate the ball, and I want the lads who pick the clever passes. Yeah, it's definitely a good point. And I think, obviously, if, if, if McAllister is, is kind of out, there's obviously the option there of of Trent being the, the the fixed six from the start and Gomez maybe being a right back but I I'd have Jones you know if, if you, you know there's no I wouldn't ha- I said there's a sh- there'd be a shout for Jones if McAllister's out as the six it's the against six. this sort of opposition I think he'll pick Endo I yeah. do too I think he'll but pick it wouldn't Endo. be it wouldn't be the Cause, maddest because of the goal or because no because no. I think I think I think it, <laughs> there is another bit of a point here to be made which is that if I'm Endo and Elliot and Jones and I take your it would suddenly look like a UEFA Cup midfield point but I think there's a point where all three of them could go well, when am I playing a Premier League game then yeah I think Elliot might start to be honest I, I do too I, I do too so, he, 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 I think the, the the Fulham game was it got to a point certainly where it was relatively suited to his skill set and he doesn't see a single minute and I think that's interesting going into a midweek game away from home against a team that are probably going to be without the ball like on the ball like 30% of the time or a push to be honest we're going to have to break down a block it's a really tight pitch Elliot's a natural with the small spaces and, and, and things like that he's really creative under the radar and stuff so I think Elliot could be in line for the start but then where does that come because if you look on the, on that side of the pitch you've got Soboslai who's just played an hour so he's, he's probably got enough in the tank to go again and you've got Salah so it's interesting to see uh, but he's definitely got options that's, that's, that's for sure like he has got options I think this is a big thing um, as I say uh, I think there is a couple of suitability questions there um, it just strikes me as interesting Phil. obviously we're all going to say Liverpool should win the game we all said that about Fulham but we didn't expect it to spiral the way in which it did with the new manager Bramall Lane is a difficult place to go as Josh says it's like a five-a-side pitch as well uh, that's the other thing to point out it will be a tight ground City only win there 2-1 the flip side of that is that these just got hammered in 55 minutes by Bournemouth on their own ground. Burnley, um, was just, it? No, no, no. They just Bournemouth. got B5-0 mm. by Burnley at Burnley. Um, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah, They were down reduced to 10, 10 men, but still. They, it, it was I, th- away. I think City, Spurs and United all beat them 2-1 and all scored late yeah. goals to get those v- wins. So... I'll be honest, that's not a game I'm looking forward to. I think Sheffield. You know, yeah, we Ooh. could we could win five nil just because of this team, but I think it will be a a tight, horrible, sticky game. You know where this is like it's difficult to get any rhythm, and I think it'll be very looting. Yeah, and that wasn't an enjoyable watch for me. Like, don't know what you. No, no. The, well, right. this, the year we win the league, we struggle, don't we, to win there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a goalkeeping mistake like that. That, that that gives us the sort of win. So I think, I think, I think it will be the same. Um, I think it's. A, I think it's a very first goal game for us. Yeah, if ever totally. there was one. You know, yeah. they they won't have the manager. The they're, low as it is. They're in a trench together. There'll be a bit of spirit about it and a defensive. You know, a compactness that will come yeah. from that spirit. But once you breach it, you would expect that what tiny comps they have to eke away to nothing. Yeah, the ground goes flat. It's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's all very much you know what's been going on for them this season. It all it all kind of comes back in that way. I think that's why the element of control that Liverpool you know show is really important because they need to be able to sort of not offer any hope or any encouragement at all, like they did you know what like they didn't do with Fulham where. Quite early on, there was that encouragement, there was that hope uh, of how they could see a way through this. So I think Liverpool need to make sure they do that very early. Yeah, I think you know what I'd like to, to take. You know, it's obvious to say take our chances, <laughs> not as per Luton, uh, and it would be nice to have saved another one in the bank of those less than 0.1 xg goals for this. Because I think it, I think it might take a set piece goal or or a strike from outside the box to break the game. I don't, I don't think we're just going to unpick them easily enough, but we'll see. We will see, indeed. The one thing I would say is that Chris Wilder, I think, is a good manager, but the one thing he isn't is a miracle worker, and he can't come in, lay hands on the injured Sheffield United centre-halves and fix them all overnight. And I think that some of those earlier fixtures in the season, they did have uh, the footballers, uh, the first-choice defenders in there, and they just will not have that for this one. Uh, so I think a strong Liverpool start could well uh, elicit a fair few uh, a fair few bits of good news. Also, new manager bounce is a bit of a myth. Uh, frankly, it often takes a couple of games to get things sorted, although there's a lot of difference between Heckingbottom and Wilder in terms of approach. Uh, so we will see from there. Uh, thank you very much indeed to Rob, to Fu, and uh, to Josh, uh, Helen Poole, and uh, John Gibbons as well uh, for what came as it wore on. Jordan Singleton has looked after the images of YouTube this. Uh, Andy Heaton has looked after the audio in general, uh, either whichever way it goes. Been a pleasure across the board uh, Liverpool have done part one of the three legs the three legs that make all the difference everything free on the Anfield wrap this week but the thing we want more than anything isn't free content it's nine points 
Social Podcast Network.